I will watch others laugh and fool around in the gym all day while I am leashed to the platform. Yo, what's going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of Hook, Grip, and Rip. I'm Brandon Merrick here once again with the People's Perspective PhD, JT Silvers. What's up, brother? How you doing? I'm doing pretty well, Brandon. You know, still feeling the uh, feeling the fatigue from our session on Friday, that's for sure. Oh, dude, I completely understand. Um, <laughs> you, you know, uh, one of the things... I kind of want to start off with today was uh, one apologizing for not having an episode for you guys last week, but um, we were both super busy and we both knew that JT was coming down for a wedding and that we were going to get uh, a really heavy session in that uh, hopefully we got some film and things and we might be able to get that out to you guys so you can see us actually doing what we talk about. So yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, JT, you want to talk a little bit about our training session this last Friday? Yeah, so kind of went in with the idea that we were going to train like the Bulgarian. So we snatched as heavy as we could until we failed or got frustrated and then clean and jerk as heavy as we could until failure or frustration and then back squat as heavy as we were able to after snatching and cleaning jerking heavy. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, uh, as you guys can tell, heavy was the theme. Uh, um, uh, so yeah, I was actually pretty happy with Friday, man. You know, the two forty-five snatch, three fifteen clean and jerk, and I did actually jerk it this time. Um, got video proof of it, and then the big back squat. Um, so you know, it, it was a solid Friday for me, um, for sure. But uh, I can't imagine how you feel um, if you kind of felt like I did. I didn't want to get out of bed on Saturday. And then you had to drive, so I'm sure being stuck in a car for, you know, three, four hours cannot be the best thing on your body. So, Not really. <laughs> optimal recovery we talk about all the time, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, just having your knees slammed into your chest even more, <laughs> <laughs> for sure, cannot be, cannot be great. Um, but anyways, you know, I hope, I hope everybody had a great last two weeks since we didn't get to talk to you guys and uh jt you know uh our listeners are going to be able to hear our intro for the first time which is the old show if they haven't heard it before but uh J- jt what do you think about that the old show kind of kind of the motto i live by you know gonna be the one might didn't might not do the best work but i'm gonna sure certainly do the most Oh, yeah, uh, for sure. Uh-huh. You know, I, I kind of feel like uh, John North right now in the end of that, end of the, uh, what is it, the blog that John John North wrote um, that Donnie Shanko was uh, narrating. I kind of feel yeah. like John North 
because, you know, you're leaving and I, I got Lucas, who's either the, the Donnie or the Glenn Pinlay to me, to my John North, you know, um, kind of sucks because it feels like I'm damn near alone now, but um, I know you're still out there working, so it, it's all good. Um, but if you want to listen to that whole thing, just go to YouTube and type in the old show, John North, and you'll find it. It's it's fantastic, and it's probably better than the recording that I posted. So, <laughs> um, but but anyways, JT, what what do we got for the fans today? What are we going to talk about? So, if you missed our last episode, we talked about the Russian and Chinese training programs, specifically for weightlifting. Uh, we we decided to break this into a three-part series, kind of like our Squapple and Press series, where we're going to talk about today the Bulgarian training system, and we'll touch on just a little bit of the Romanians as well, just because what they do currently is more of an offshoot of the Bulgarian system than it is the Russian system. It is pretty unique on its in its own right, for sure, man. And I think we're both definitely pretty excited to talk about the Bulgarians, even more so than the than the Russians or the U.S. Because you know everybody has this uh, romanticized vision of training like a Bulgarian once they fall in love with weightlifting. You know, um, the Bulgarians were just so prolific in their their era um and everybody wanted to be like them and you know uh it it seems today that the uh bulgarian method of training is more legend than fact in some ways but uh hopefully we can you know shed some light on what they actually used to do um but you know i'm pretty excited for this I think even more so than the Russians and the Chinese. What about you, John? Yeah, I, I agree. And you know, like you said, Brandon, I think a lot of people like, like, like I said, with our training session on Friday, we did a, a Bulgarian style. Like, it's not Bulgarian style. He just lifted heavy on three lifts. You, know, if you want to train Bulgarian style, you're doing that multiple times a day for months on end. Yeah. Definitely, man. Definitely. Um, you know, and, and uh, obviously we're going to get into it here in a second, but if you want to know something about the Bulgarians before you come and listen to our podcast, you know, you can pause it right now. And then I recommend going to YouTube and just typing in School of Champions. It's a Bulgarian weightlifting documentary. And, you know, it's it's awesome. Um JT, it's awesome and also a little terrifying, really, to see yeah, the way you guys trained. Definitely. I mean, um, you know, it, but it is, it's just so surreal seeing, you know, the the legend that we always talk about of Bulgarian or uh, Ivan Abijayev, you know, you get to see that actually on film. So, um, you know, it's super cool to see. So I, I would definitely recommend going and watching that. Yeah. Uh, it's probably a lot of where JT and I got our information, you know. So with that being said, I guess we'll uh, kind of jump on in here. So JT, you want to take us away? Yeah, so with the Bulgarian training program, and 
we'll kind of try to keep it simple at first and get a little more detailed. Um, they're training, as we said, heavy lifts, snatch, clean and jerk, squat. Every time they hit the gym, and I remember reading in their early, like in their loading phase prior to getting towards competition, they were training 20 times a week with a minimum one and a half hour session. Typically, that would be the one done in the evening with the two, with the morning and the one like post lunch session being two hours and training twice on Sunday instead of three times. That was their one rest day where they would train 90-minute sessions twice on Sunday. Um, So you're looking at just an absolute incredibly high volume of work and working with total, like the the volume on the bar being probably no less ever than 85% of competition maximum when we're talking about like real working sets time warming up and working up to those weights but your work didn't officially start until you were hitting close to what you hit in competition right and um you know and, and if you guys don't understand the the amount of work that is think about jt and i on friday we were probably in the what in the gym for what three hours or so um, yeah i would say actually working for three hours yeah and Saturday morning, it felt like I've been hit by a Mack truck. So, like, I'm pretty sure I slept 12 hours on Saturday, plus my eight hours of sleep. So, um, I mean, granted, that's the most sleep I've gotten in a long time, but I, I don't, like, I want to, I, I want to be able to train like a Bulgarian, but there's no way in heck that I could my body could just not handle that amount of stress. So, um, I, I know I joked about it when we were there on Friday, like let's turn around and do this again in the morning at six o'clock. Yeah. My dumb ass. Well, I'll be, I'll be here every six. day. There's, there's no question that we were going to be able to do that. There's no chance. No, we would have come in and, you know, if I would have cleaned and jerked 225, I would have been ecstatic, you know? Um, <laughs> There's just no chance, right? And if you look at uh, current weightlifters today, especially in the U.S., nobody can train like that, right? I think the closest person ever is Ian Wilson to training Bulgarian. And uh, look at him now. He's so hurt that he's struggling to compete or uh, he's definitely not doing it full time right now. So, um but we can get into that in our uh, next episode when we actually talk about the U.S. lifters. Um, what made the Bulgarians different from everybody else? Why were they able to train at such high percentages day in and out, session in and session out? Well, I, I know, I think I know what you're getting at, but I'm going to avoid it. <laughs> um, uh, but at JT, one of those big things was the uh, the coach himself, Ivan Abajayev. You know, he he was a guy who was mandating that these these lifters, you know, start at 85 percent and work up. And you had to hit so many, so many reps or something like that. I think uh, I saw an interview one time with Steph, Stefan Botev. Um, 
he he's actually in that film uh, School of Champions. Um, he's he's one of the big boys. Um, but you know, like you said, JT, they train three times a day, uh, eight plus eight to twelve hours a day, and um, you know, I think they calculated it out one time was uh, the total amount of weight lifted in a singular day was 70 tons right but uh yeah that's just an insurmountable number like you know yeah i think if we would have lifted a ton on friday we would have been doing really well so um but anyways i think i think jt is trying to get it at the fact that uh the only reason these guys were able to lift the way they could was because they're on drugs so <laughs> they're on their restoratives, you know. This was in an area where PEDs were still a bit of a gray area, and obviously, the culture in Bulgaria was a lot different than what it is here in the U.S. And Abhijayev knew how to take best advantage of the fact that his lifters were on drugs. That's why, arguably, you'll see such a high level of success. From one given nation, especially one like Bulgaria's population is not very much, but it's just incredible that they were able to produce such a strong, well-rounded team in all the weight classes that they had represented in in the World Championships and the Olympics. For sure, man, and um, you know another thing that kind of just kept the Bulgarians going is they they were a small small country, relative relatively poor country. Um, and these guys, you know, they saw weightlifting once again as a, uh, as a way to feed their families and survive. Right. So for them, there was no, I'm going to dip out today because I don't feel good. It's, I got a broken collarbone and I'm still going to snatch 90% of my one rep max. Right. So these guys are the freaks of the freaks. And, uh, I think. Arguably, my favorite favorite line from School of Champions kind of definitely uh, defines, you know, the, these Bulgarian weightlifters. Um, I think a dude literally had just won the Asian world or some kind of world championships, and uh, he goes, you know, I I don't have any feelings, and my feelings at that time were to only lift the barbell. <laughs> And he, he just won gold in the snatch, clean, and jerk in total. Yep. And he's not even excited because he knows probably the next day he's going to have to go in and lift the same amount of weight, probably a world record in training. Yep. Right? That's, lift that's heavy, lift heavier in training than in competition. Oh, for sure. That That's actually most lifters, if you think about it. A lot of times your training totals are much heavier than your comp totals. Um, that That's – I don't know why that is. It's just the way it is. <laughs> well, but anyways, you only lift as heavy as you need to win. Right, right for sure. But uh, JT, I, I guess I'll go over a little bit of like what a typical day would look like in Bulgarian lifting. Yep. Um, but this is from that interview from Stefan Botev. He said a typical day would look similar to this. In the morning, you would squat, snatch, and then clean and jerk. 
and then you would squat again in the same session, right? So you would alternate front squat and back squat. And then you'd go to lunch, and in the afternoon, you would focus more on your classic lifts and squat once. Then in the evening, you would only do snatch or clean and jerk, not both, and then you would squat. Uh, Botev said you would do this routine every single day, um, except for like Sundays. And then, um, you know, he said the amount of pain in his body was so immense that it wasn't really even getting through training. It was just surviving the pain and make it to the next day. Right. Right. So, so constantly training to maximum, as we've said multiple times already, it's just horrible for your body, even on drugs. It's, um, just a very tough, tough way to weightlift. Um, and you know, like I said, go watch school of champions and you'll see the amount of work they put in. It's absolutely wild. I think it's interesting to look at this as, you know, we, we know these lifters were on drugs. Um, and with, with the amount of work, the sheer volume of work that they were doing, we know that the most elite lifters who came out of this program were the most resilient to just the sheer volume of lifting that they had to withstand, right? Like to be able to stave off injury, like if you can stay healthy through this program, you're going to be really, really strong. You're going to make the adaptations to survive or you won't survive. It'll be, you know, forced out of the program. Um, and it may even be the case where, these lifters didn't necessarily respond to the training protocol optimally. They responded to the drugs that they were on, maybe genetically better than some of their teammates who had had everybody been natural and you know no no drugs involved. Some of the other lifters may have been better because they been, maybe were stronger, faster, whatever. Uh, the genetic disposition to respond better to the drugs may actually be what made the differentiation between a good Bulgarian lifter and the, the world champion lifters that they produce. You know, I, th- I think you definitely have a, a good point there, but, um, you know, it didn't matter. I think the drugs, I think the drugs at some point were just more for the recovery aspect of them than they, than they were for actually building strength because, you know, you're, you're doing, probably what 50 to 60 attempts minimum at 90% a day. Right. Um, you know, and that, that's just sounds- so hellish on your body that um, I think at some point the drugs may not work as well as they're supposed to. Right. Yeah, there's certainly a limiting on the return there where, yeah, you like you at a certain point you just need the drugs to get by and to be able to recover. They're not going to have that kind of strength bolstering effect. It's just your body's not capable of producing the hormones necessary to recover on its own. For sure, because you know, um, yeah, you know, the drugs have to be just for recovery because these guys are so technically sound in what they do that um you know the weight doesn't really matter uh i mean it does but it's just so destructive on your body that you know there's no time to build muscle it's it's just uh 
can I recover from the amount of pain I put into my body? So, um, so Brandon, I'm, I'm curious to get your thoughts. We know I'm a JF was a product of the weightlifting program, and we know all of the the variation that the Soviets include, the Russians now include in their training program with different different types of uh, variations of the classic list. So why do you think Abhijayev opted to go strictly based on the classic list in the squad? Um, well... So that's that's kind of a tough question because you and I both know that for one the uh, the squat is probably the base of building strength in any weightlifter, right? Um, and except for like you know the guys like She's the Young who doesn't back squat at all, he does his front squat and pull. Um, but at the time, the squat was the biggest thing you could do as a weightlifter to uh, push your numbers, right? So, obviously, there's a reason why they squatted. But um, at that point, you're, once again, your lifters have already built their strength, right? They're already the top top of the top. You know, they're, they're the best there is. Um, it, it's kind of like we'll see with the Romanians a little bit later on, but the Bulgarians spend uh, their early years, like their first couple years, just building strength they don't really practice the classic lifts so they pull they squat they um they have that more of a power lifting ish type deal while training Mm -hmm. as a weightlifter um you know they have the basic movements down of the snatch and the clean and jerk but um that that's all they need to do when you know they're they're the best in the world is just train the snatch and the clean and jerk so I think that's one of the big reasons. Um, you know, it's not something I've really read into, JT. Yeah. Um, what, what do you think, man? Well, I mean, to your point, if they, if they already have the strength and the conditioning to be able to just focus on perfecting the technique in the classic lifts, especially at really high percentages, then it's not necessary to focus on continuing to build strength in like a, a barbell row or like just strict pulls, you're going to get stronger pulling by pulling your classic lifts. And because we want to be as sport specific as possible to the sport of weight, doesn't make a lot of sense to have these elite lifters do things that won't feel exactly the same as how their classic lifts feel. And to me, the only reason that the squad is included is because you have to maintain the basis of strength that's already been developed. It's not that they're, I mean, you're potentially going to gain some strength to your squat, especially with a protocol like what the Bulgarians were doing. But at that point, it's really just maintaining the level of leg strength that they had. Uh, Because as we know, the the basis for being powerful is to be strong. The stronger you are, the more powerful you are. That's the way it works. Um, but you have to be able to translate that strength into power. And I think that focusing on doing the classic list without any variation makes the most sports specific 
expression of that power that's been developed. Right, man. Um, and, and I just kind of looked something up here real quick, but, uh, you know, this says the Bulgarians applied what is the SAID principle, um, specific adaptation to impose demands. So they believe that, you know, if you want to lift maximal weight, then you have to lift maximum weight, maximal weight. Right. So there's to them, there's just no point in training the like the the clean deadlift um, without actually attempting the clean. Because you don't so, clean and you don't clean deadlift in competition. Exactly. Right. And if you do, you clark it and then uh, your coach is pissed and then you don't get money or and you don't eat the next day. So <clears throat> you get kicked off the team and go work in the mines. Yeah, that's. Oh, oh, uh, yeah, that's bad. <laughs> but um, you know, and that—that's just the way it was, man. That's that's how that era was. It's the age of the Bulgarians, you know, the most prolific weightlifting team in the entire, um, the entire weightlifting world, I guess. You know, I'm so, currently rivaled by the Chinese right now. Right, and it's probably not even. It's it's less because they were so dominant that I don't even think you can compare the Chinese with the Bulgarians. While they are dominant, it's still much closer in competition now than it was in the eighties. Yeah, it is. Um, the Chinese actually have some competition, and you know the the Kazakhstani lifters are on the rise. Uh, the Iranians are coming back. The, you know, some of the, some of the natty lifters like Bodhi Santavi, he would have beaten Tian Tao in, uh, in the Asian Championships. Speaking of which, if you want to go back and watch some really good weightlifting, this last week has had a bunch with the Pan Ams going on, the Asian Championships. Um, just go to YouTube and type type those in. You know. Uh, there, there's been some insane weightlifting, and I think there's some even going on today. I think the 109s are going today, plus 109s maybe. Could be, yeah, it could be finishing up the panel. I think. I think so, but you know, we've seen a lot of a lot of world records, a lot of continental records. Um, you know, just some insane weightlifting, like Shizu Yang. Snatching 169, um, that world record. Lu Xiaojun winning, winning gold in the cleaning jerk with 199 instead of, you know, 200 plus like he normally does. Right. And, what's up with that? Him going 199 to 208. Like Jesus Christ. <laughs> stupid, 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 stupid. Just teasing them. What's going to happen in the Olympics? I can't wait for the Olympics, bro. I literally cannot wait for the Olympics. Um, do it. Well, uh, maybe we'll get that 500 kilo total out of Lasha. Oh my! I don't think we will, but uh, he's gonna squeeze every single kilo out of out of getting those those payment yeah, bonuses <laughs> for sure. What's he at? Two twenty two snatch or two twenty three? He's just yeah, two twenty three. He's just gonna keep going. It'll be 
224 at the Olympics, and then maybe, uh, what is it, 247 in the cleaning jerk or 248, something like that. He's He'll just keep going for, you know, one record and then a total record. Um, he he just doesn't have to work that hard. I would I would think he's probably snatched two twenty seven to two thirty in training. I, I would I would like to think so. But yeah, um, maybe we should get back to our podcast here, John, JT. Yeah, <laughs> um, I don't know. You got anything else on the Bulgarians, man? Um, Bulgarians are pretty easy. Uh, like we said, they're they're the best weightlifting team that's ever been so just go look them up and you'll find you know a shit ton of literature on them so i just just think it's crazy they didn't believe in such a thing as the deload there's a really good quote out there by abby of um saying picture picture the fox and the rabbit rabbit doesn't have a chance to take a day off rabbit can't operate at 80 percent because then he's lunch you don't want to be lunch. You must train maximally. I think it's a beautiful way to look at training, but also like it, it really explains where Abhijay's head was when he was training these athletes. Like they they literally were being to train at the very edge of their limits, so that they wouldn't. It's essentially like how their mentality went. Right. Yeah. That. The desire, the desire to win for Abhijay was just so great. He was willing to, to, you know, risk the lives of his athletes. You know, um, but maybe that's well, why they were good too. You know, you never know. Glenn Penley, the, the Bulgarian system would never work for an American athlete, which they, I completely agree. It's a, it's a product of the culture, and I think. When Abhijay came to the States and was working with Cal Strength, he said, these athletes are just too soft. They would never, they would never be able to compete. No, and he was literally befuddled by the fact that they weren't on drugs. Yeah, that too. (laughs) Right? He, he said there was no reason in training athletes who weren't on drugs. Yeah. But um, we can talk more about that next week because that's kind of a big part of the American system because you got you go from Abhijayev to Piros Dimas, who's, you know, the current coach. And then uh, obviously you have Glenn Penlay and uh, Dave Spitz and some of these guys who who just know the game of weightlifting so well. Um, I mean, we don't want to give too much away. <laughs> But uh, Brandon, who, who's your favorite Romanian weightlifter? Oh come on, man! You you know it's Gabriel <laughs> Sincrane. Um, of course it is. Uh, I I love Gabriel. He's he's a funny guy. Um, fantastic he's a great weightlifter. weightlifter. He's what he win uh, bronze at the twenty twelve Rio Olympics. Rio Olympics. Yep, that's what it was. So, um. He, he's pretty big right now. You can go find him on Instagram, YouTube. He's very interactive with his fans. Um, watch, watch his videos with Clarence Kennedy and uh, Eon Murphy. Those are those are funny because he just roasts Eon Murphy, <laughs> and it's it's literally so funny. And the and the way he talks, him trying to speak English is 
is fantastic. So, um, but I, I assume JT, that was your way of introducing how we're going to talk about the Romanians now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, you know, so one of the main differences between the Bulgarians and the Romanians is that the Romanians actually had to have a genuine love for the sport of weightlifting. Right. So Gabriel once said that in an interview, um, he, he was just kind of running around with some of his friends out on the block. And then a coach invited him into the gym and said, Hey, come try these, come try this snatch and clean and jerk and squat and pull and play some sports and stuff and see, see what you like. Um, you know, they were encouraged to play, uh, soccer, basketball, um, things like that, just to keep them as well-rounded athletes, you know? Um, but the difference between the Bulgarians and, and the, uh, Romanians is they did, they did love weightlifting, right? Cause they had a free, free range of time when they could come and leave the gym. If they didn't want to weightlift anymore, they didn't have to, they could just walk out. Um, Gabriel even said he tried to walk out two or three times and the coach, um, just, just brought him back in and they got back to work. But, <laughs> um, you know, and, that's kind of what I love about it because that's the same thing you see here in the States, right? Cause if, if JT and I didn't love weightlifting, we wouldn't be doing it. Um, cause it is, it's just, it's a tough sport and you got to put a lot of time and time and effort into something like that. And it, it's cool to see that finally a country has some athletes that love weightlifting and they chose to be there because, you know, it's, it's what they love to do. So J- JT, what do you got on the Romanians here? Well, I think it is really it, – it's it's good to know, you know, that these athletes have the opportunity to select what sport that they want to participate in. And, you know, talking about what we do with the Chinese and the Russians, you know, being genetically selected for their sport, it kind of goes along that line uh, where instead of just, you know, the government running – tests on their on their children to figure out what sport they'd be best suited for it's kind of the same idea except you're allowing the children to self-select where you know yeah we, we have all these sports that the government you know the state government sponsors we're going to let everybody try what they want to try and if you if you find something that you you feel really good at you stick with it and we'll we'll sponsor you we'll support you uh where you know it is an American quality, though it is an Eastern European country, right? Have that for kind sure. of power to choose, for sure. And you know, I, I think we both kind of love to see that aspect out of out of a country like that. But, uh, anyways, uh, you know, the Romanians were uh, much like any other country. If they brought in young children, you know, they're their idea was to build strength first and foremost. So they would utilize complexes that involved um, muscle snatches or cleans and strict presses. And they, they squatted and, you know, they still had them go out and play other sports um, where they were running and jumping and um, being fit and athletic and, and things like that. And 
And what's crazy is they only train five times a week at a young age, <laughs> JT. <laughs> only five times. You know, that's, yeah. that's not a lot for a 10, 11-year-old. You know, compared compared to other uh, these other countries, yeah, that's that's pretty. But yeah, but you know, it it is really cool because with with American sports structured the way that they are, I know I didn't start weight training until I was in high school, um, and not to say that that was too late, but having that fundamental understanding of the movements with the barbell, with dumbbells, whatever it is. Learned at a young age, you're able to benefit. Um, we've talked about learning as many movement patterns as possible as a, as a child makes a greater role athlete, more resilient athlete, better developed athlete. So it is really awesome to see these kids who had the opportunity to weight lift to learn weight lift, and maybe they maybe they didn't end up weightlifting, but they moved on to other sports. They had that background and made them better athletes. Definitely, man. For sure. But, um, you know, as these kids got older and they decided that weightlifting was what they wanted to do, that's when they started becoming more Bulgarian-esque, right? So, obviously, those early stages, they built their strength, and now it's time to focus on the snatch and the clean and jerk. So that's what they did. All they did were the classic lifts and they would squat. Mm -hmm. And they too would start training two to three times a day for six days a week. So what's crazy is they actually got a rest day. Imagine that. (laughs) Imagine that. Um, What kind of coach programs are rest day in this day and age, man? That's so stupid, dude. You never want to rest. (laughs) Never. Um but you know, I, I think just in that aspect, there's a reason. There's a reason why you saw um, Romanian lifters that had more longe- longevity in the sport than any Bulgarian lifter, right? So if a Bulgarian lifter could make it through one Olympic cycle, one or two Olympic cycles at max, that was really, really good for them, right? Where you see, uh, like Gabriel, he had a chance to go. Like if he was good enough at the time, he probably would have gone to two or three Olympics. Um, probably definitely if he didn't get popped, he would have gone to another one. So, um, but, uh, so it's great to see, you know, stuff like that, a rest day and more longevity from, from your best athletes, you know, but, um, but anyways, the Romanian system was definitely just an adaptation of, of the Bulgarian system. And, um, yes, the Romanians would push, you know, their heavy singles to 85%, um, in, in every session. And, uh, I I think at one point I heard something to where it said, uh, the, the point was to hit 90% or more as many times as feasibly possible. So if that meant you could only hit 90% every two weeks or, uh, once a month, then that's all that would happen, right? But um, there was there was definitely more of an emphasis on how the athlete felt than the Bulgarians. Yeah, and I think you know it's it's still rather strange to continue drawing this parallel, but that that's an American quality as well, you know, because you you have to you have to keep 
track of and care of your athletes. Um, because if they're not able to compete anymore, you've done them a disservice. Um, the, the point should not be to develop somebody who's going to be a phenomenal lifter for one competition, two competitions, you know, qualifier and a, a world championship or an Olympics. It should be to produce a champion who will reign over weightlifting weight class for years. Definitely, man. Um, you know, like like I said earlier, you, you just got to have your best athletes at, at the top of their game, right? There's no reason for them to be injured when you could have um, prevented that, right? right? But uh, anyways, I, I guess I'll kind of go over what a, a typical week of a Romanian lifter would look like. Um, obviously, their goal is to push push the heavy weight. Um, and there was a lot of emphasis on technique. So it, I guess one of the funniest things about, uh, Gabriel Sincrane is, is, is his coach used to tell him he was slow. Yeah. So, um, he has this slogan that says, uh, when, when you are fast, you are slow or something similar to that. Um, and it's just kind of like a, a, a funny saying that was ingrained in his brain. So, um, arguably, he has one of the fastest jerks in all of the Olympics <clears throat> way back when. But, you know, he used to think that he was always slow and couldn't move. So, but anyways, um, kind of a typical week would every session they would snatch and clean and jerk, except for the last session of, of the day. Um, they would front squat five to eight times a week. They love the front squat and then they would back squat anywhere from uh, three to five times. Right. And their rep range was no more than a double on any snatch or clean and jerk. And then no more than three on any squat. So in, in that, in that way, it's definitely very Bulgarian esque. Um, I think they had more of a focus on squatting than the Bulgarians did, uh, arguably, especially on the front squat. Um, I, I think the front squat definitely just plays a bigger role in translating to the lifts and the back squat. So I think that's why they tended to f- focus on it more than, than the back squat. I agree. I think it's kind of a requisite movement. Like your front squat's got to be fantastic for you to be a decent weightlifter. I mean, it definitely does. You you have to be able to have that big, strong chest against the bar, right? <laughs> Not a big, strong neck against the bar like I did on Friday. <laughs> <laughs> got to love uh, a good barbell hickey, man. Yeah, you know, if you aren't slamming the barbell into your trachea, then you aren't doing it right. <laughs> I did that one really right. <laughs> yeah. But anyways, man, that, that front squat will just, uh, you know, really teach you to keep that vertical torso and strong low back and um, great core and hitch, hitting your positions, making sure you're able to hit a bottom position. And um, really, 
because you can't front squat as much as you can back squat, it might save your central nervous system just a little bit, which could contribute to, you know, the longevity of the Romanians over the Bulgarians. Certainly, you know, and yeah, because you're limiting the load by front squatting twice as often as you back squat, you're protecting your joints, protecting, assuming allowing yourself to facilitate recovery better. And with a underloaded movement, and I'm using that underloaded phrase a little bit loosely here. It's probably a really great restorative where you're you're active, you're moving weight, but you're not pushing weight that's so, I guess, so heavy that it's going to cause more demand than it is restoration. So after a heavy lift, after a heavy session of snatch, clean and jerk, you hit front squat probably be better for recovery than a set than had he set it back for sure man i think um that's definitely one of the things that just had me bedridden on saturday was us ending with back squatting and um you know it it really just fried me on friday well yeah and you you know ponied it up to squat 500 pounds that's kind of you know no, no wonder you were right <laughs> not not up for anything on Saturday. <laughs> I mean, if if we really wanted to, I was up by five thirty, and I could have gotten to the gym at six six thirty. Uh, I just would have been a useless piece of crap. So, um, <laughs> we probably could have benched that day and would have been fine, you know. <laughs> but there you. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. If I'm going to go in feeling like a useless piece of crap, I might as well just do a useless lift. Um, I better not say that. My coach, my our uh, head coach at Mount Vernon loves the, uh, loves the bench press. Push um, press life or die. Or just split jerk. Um, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, dude, uh, you got anything else on the Romanians? Well, you know, we talked a little bit about the culture here. I think it's still easy to understand. Like, if you were able to make it as an athlete in Romania, you were getting, you know, a much better lot in life than most of the other Romanian citizenry. So there is a huge motivation factor that comes from that where, I know we look at the glitz and glamour lifestyle that our professional athletes have here in the United States, but it's a, it's a whole different beast when you're escaping, you know, just like, just like prison labor type of conditions to be a, an Olympic athlete rather than like not working an office desk job, to become a professional athlete, professional athlete like it is here in the United States, or you're not, you know, Slaving away, working at the local McDonald's, catching touchdown passes on TV. Granted, the Romanians had a uh, better lifestyle than the Bulgarians. It wasn't um, going to work in the salt mines. You might have had another option because I think Gabriel said he grew up in, you know, kind of a uh, uh, middle class esque type neighborhood. Um, it wasn't necessarily like a, a, you know, you do this or or you go die type of thing. But it was it was still 
being a weightlifter, you, you escaped a lot of that, um, a lot of what we would consider today as poverty. Um, so yeah, you know, like JT said, it, it was, uh, um, you were much better off becoming a, an athlete like that than, you know, just li- living up to the wind or whatever. Yeah. And as a former champion, Gabriel's going to be taken care of by the Romanian government. You know, like where we, where we, United States, like outside of the, the big, you know, blockbuster, quote unquote, Olympic sports, like we get really excited about Olympic basketball here in the U.S. But we know that the average joke can name anybody who went and weightlifted in the past in the U.S. Yeah, at average Joe, I guess. <laughs> JT, not not me and you, I, huh? Um, we might be average weightlifters. We might be up to average now, with our numbers from Friday. Sure you're class, but I'm certainly not. <laughs> <laughs> uh, shoot. Uh, but I, I mean. It doesn't feel like we've gone into super, super detail, JT, on the Bulgarians or or the Romanians, um, you know. But it is what it is. the The numbers for the Bulgarians and the Romanians were the same. It was eighty five to ninety five percent every single day, right? There's not much else to it. It's, um, you know. And as American weightlifters, I think we like to romanticize the feeling of of lifting like a Bulgarian when in actuality we would never want to do that. It's right. it's just awful. Um, but it is. It's, it's something that we need to talk about. And um, it, it's something that we need to, you know, showcase because they were so successful. Um, and it's it's beautiful in its simplicity right like they're doing three or, or if you want to say that the back squat and the front squat are two different movements then they're doing four exercises and still getting optimal results getting these high level lifters um and you know we look at the the, the, the kind of dichotomy between the chinese and the russians today and what the bulgarians did back in their prime the opposite and yet the results are you know very much the same so it, it is really kind of interesting to look and that there's there's more than one more than one way to skin this cat more than one way to put somebody on the top of the podium but i think sure. it's it's pretty cut and dried that it's a little bit more humane to go about it the way that the russians and the chinese are doing it than maybe ivan abajay yeah. Um, what can you say, man? There, there's just nothing better than the symphony of steel that we that we like to look at here, JT. Um, it's true. Uh, I just can't stress this enough. You know, uh, weightlifting in the past, I would say, six months has arguably be arguable. I can't talk. I think I just had a stroke. Oh my gosh. But weightlifting has arguably become um, 
without a doubt, my favorite sport, even more so than uh, baseball and, and football, which is crazy to say because I never thought I would love another sport as much. But, and, you know, I, I just love weightlifting and going back and being able to uh, live through some of the literature on, you know, the Russians, the Chinese, um, especially the Bulgarians, and, and seeing what worked and what didn't. It, it's crazy to see how much it's affected me and, you know, my attitude towards the sport. All right. Because when I started out doing this with uh, with Lucas way back when, man, I, I didn't even clean from the floor. All I did was hang clean, and I would never snatch. Um, I, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. Lucas was the one who taught me how to squat, right? I, I was doing quarter squats before I met him, and he said, if you're going to lift with me, we're, we're going to have to fix this bullshit. You need to squat the way you need to squat. Um, and I'll just be forever grateful for him to, you know, introducing me to the sport and um, kind of showing me that passion of of weightlifting and, uh, and seeing where I was and where I am now and, you know, actually doing some research and finding out what weightlifting's all about, you know. Yeah, man, I agree. Um, there's really no sport like weightlifting and it's, it's quickly become my favorite as well because it's so so easy to stay internally motivated for that chase for just one more kilo you know one more better rip one more faster rip one more heavier rip um, and you know while me and you we may never compete on a real stage still just the competition from day to day, I think is enough to drive me to continue doing this until I'm literally too old or enfeebled to do so. For sure, man. For there's, sure, man. There's, there's just nothing like chasing that, chasing that kilo, like you said. But, uh, anyways, JT, uh, got anything else for the good of the order here? Um, we're, we're getting close to that time. You know, definitely go check out School of Champions if you want to see what real hard training is like. Yep. Um, go check them out. Uh, JT, I, uh, I assume we haven't really talked about it. I assume you might be making another YouTube video. Um, yep, that's the goal. Might be postponed a little bit just due to the volume of work I've got for finals and all that coming up, but yeah, it'll be up on the YouTubes here in maybe a week or two. Uh, yeah, definitely take your time. Um, focus on what you need to focus on. Hopefully those finals go well. Oh, yeah. um, next episode, we plan to talk about the um, U.S. training methods. Um, probably talk a lot about Gwen Penley and Ivan Abujeyev's early days and uh, maybe looking to Piros Demos as the current coach um, a little bit. Uh, and then I think our plan is maybe to talk about our top 10 favorite lifters of all time. Um, and with the top 10, there could be a few more thrown in there because we can't make up our mind. <laughs> Some um, honorable mentions. For sure. For sure. Um, but, uh, you know, don't be surprised if uh, we miss another week. 
just because JT, it sounds like you got finals coming up. Um, we should be able to record on Sunday. All right, cool. Cool, cool, cool. Um, but anyways, man, uh, I, I was pretty jacked up after our Friday session. Um, you know, I, I'm ready to go back on Monday and hit the weights. Um, I'm, I'm chomping at the bit here, JT. Uh, I, I just want to chase kilos. Um, but anyways, uh, I hope everybody else is ready for a, a week, a week of grinding, um, Go out, slay the dragon, pick heavyweight up, slam it back down. Be proud. Be proud of whatever you throw up. This sport is wild. Some days you you have it. Some days you don't. Sometimes 80% is your 100%. Whatever it is, go out and, and give it your maximum effort. Um, and as always, hook, grip, and rip.